This week on the Gravity Dial podcast, I am pleased to be joined by Adrian. He is the founder of the project Fan Fury. If you are not familiar with Fan Fury, they are building a metaverse fantasy sports platform. A lot of exciting features and facts and unique ways in which they're taking the world of fantasy sports and that whole entire culture and just sports culture in general, which people get very passionate about behind their team and bring it into Web3 and finding great ways to implement it into the greater Cosmos ecosystem. So Adrian, thank you so much for coming on the Gravidot podcast. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on, Rick. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And I, we spoke before back in the Terra days. You're moving on now. But before we get into everything that's happened and covering the governance and how you're going to decentralize everything, just give listeners introduction as to who you are and then a bit of the background story of Fan Fury, why you got into fantasy sports and why you want to decentralize it. Absolutely. Um, so first of all, thank you so much for having me back. Um, I remember our uh, interview on Terra and was one of the most um, in-depth, detailed interviews I've given. So I'm very, very glad to be back on your podcast and um, I'm excited for what, we, what we're going to talk about. Um, so um, my name is Adrian. I'm actually the founder of uh, Fan Fury. And um, really speaking, Fan Fury is a fantasy sports platform. We do daily fantasy sports. Um, and it's very similar to what um, you know regular users are used to. Um, you know, um, fantasy sports right through the year in multiple sports. Um, we, we focus on a daily fantasy sports model rather than a league model. Um, so my job at Fan at Fan Fury really is um, you know leading the product side of things, the concept, um, you know the 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 actual um, you know where are we going, how are we going to do this, um, and uh, really the concept development of uh, you know the the platform itself, the tokenomic structures and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so having said that, my background, really speaking, is in product design. Um, I've been a product designer for a long time, uh, over 10, 15 years now. So really speaking, my understanding is more from a product standpoint, um, you know, connecting the dots, connecting sort of the business case along with the technology. Um, been doing that for a long time. Uh, my, my last stint was with a fintech company, um, financial services. So um, that's what really got me into blockchain, um, to be honest, uh, doing sort of this little bit of research on what the next stage in product design is. Um, but for the most part, I think marrying blockchain, blockchain and, um, you know, fantasy sports for me was um, uh, really speaking a matter, a stroke of luck because um, I've been playing fantasy sports for a long time. Um, you know, I've been a sports person all my life. And then, you know, uh, making the progression to fantasy sports just seemed, um, you know, extremely natural. Um, you know, so um, friends and myself, um, you know, siblings, we've all been playing fantasy sports for a long time. We follow the EPL, we follow a lot of the other sports as well. Mm. Um, you know, so really speaking, um, you know, Fantasy Premier League has been on our radar for the last 15 years, you know, where we're regular players, um, you know, we play a lot of the local um, fantasy sports platforms as well. So, um, you know, really speaking, fantasy sports was always on our radar, um, you know, marrying it with the blockchain really came out of the fact that, um, you know, when we looked at fantasy sports platforms, traditional fantasy sports platforms, there's this huge gulf, um, you know, between um, the haves and have nots, you know what I mean? Um, the, the space is monopolized by very, very few companies. Um, they charge really, really huge rake fees. They're taking a large, large slice of the profits. Um, and the distribution, um, you know, isn't really up to scratch either, right? I mean, um, there's there's not a lot of um, egalitarianism when it comes to the distribution mechanisms. Uh, you have very few people at the top making a lot of money. Um, mm. There's a lot of, uh, you know, play against, um, you know, the small guys, um, you know, um, in terms of the number of, let's say, teams a certain wallet can, can hold. So I think when it came to that, we really looked at the space and said that, um, you know, geofencing is a huge issue, um, you know, uh, 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 decentralization would 
really speaking health fantasy sports because of the fact that like the large number of people who make up this billion dollar industry are players um and really speaking you know putting the game or the ownership of the game into the hands of these players there's um there's a lot of good for the ecosystem itself um one being the fact that you know because of the the fact that a lot of these funds come in from players it makes sense to give um you know a lot of the ownership back to them and give them a huge much much bigger chunk chunk of what they're actually putting into the mm -hmm. platform so um, you know, in terms of the data integrity, um, you know, using oracles to, to decentralize the data sources, um, you know, in terms of um, just the payout mechanisms and making sure that the, the you know, the, the, the platforms as well as the players aren't able to game the system, um, you know, through mechanisms that are put in place um, for these whales to come in and game the system, you know, so mm -hmm. I think that's really the, the start of, um, you know, um, getting into marrying these two concepts. And I think when we started on Terra, we were looking, really speaking, at a at a way for us to run really cheap transactions um, at, at a very very low cost, um, be able to do you know large transaction sizes. Um, and and um, you know my introduction to Terra was obviously through Luna and through uh, you know all the good stuff that Terra had. Um, its stablecoin was a big part of why um, you know we were building on Terra. So um, you know really speaking, the decision to build on Terra was based on multiple things. And um, to be honest. Um, it, we went through an entire year of building on Terra, um, you know, so um, really speaking, what we've what what we were looking for was a real cheap way for people to get into fantasy sports, you know, not have to pay, you know, $25 gas fees for a $10 entry mm. um, and be able to take a larger part of the pie. That's really speaking, you know, what we were looking at when we were, uh, you know, talking about fan fury. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your overview there. And as a sports fan as well, just um, I had to I had to go with the Premier League theme today. I'm wearing my Everton jersey. I know you're an Arsenal fan, so <laughs> just just keeping up with the theme to begin with there. But yeah, it is definitely an interesting concept as a, as a fantasy sports player. Me personally, I've been involved with the American fantasy football leagues for many years now with my friends, and it's always a great just yearly competition between us we don't usually play for that much money or whatever it's usually just the bragging yeah. rights but it's interesting how like i enjoy the fantasy sports more than the sport of football itself um and i so there's definitely that whole entire culture that builds around it and and really absorbs into it and people latch onto that and there's something there and um bringing it on to web3 and seeing it how it all integrates it, i think it's really a, a match made in heaven and uh, it's great to be see someone who's heading it that's a sports fan and someone who's a fancy sports player at heart and that wants to see this whole entire thing integrate. So I you didn't mention. Sorry, go ahead. I think that's really the great aspect of things that the, the fact that, um, you know, we're, we're blockchain users, we're fantasy sports players, um, you know, we are the community. Um, so when we're building out this platform, we're really thinking about what the community needs, uh, you know, rather than looking at it from what the platform is going to make. I think that's, um, you know, what really is going to separate, um, you know, fan fury from, from, from what other people are doing in the space mm -hmm. and, and playing off what you said about, um, you know, uh, the fact that it's it's not about the money it's more about just getting together with your friends and i think that's really speaking why um you know we feel like fantasy sports is going to have a lot uh, bigger impact in bringing people onto the blockchain the traditional blockchain games because of the fact that you're already in that state of flow um you know you already understand that state of flow you're already in that mode with your friends um and really speaking um we're, all we're doing is just bringing that sort of um, you know that 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 interaction that you have onto the blockchain space mm -hmm. yeah it's, it's it's something it's a very similar process already we already experienced fancy sports for your fancy sports but you don't have to make a new game and you have to get people addicted to the game and they have to play the game Absolutely. and then you, it's just it's done in terms of that and that aspect so Absolutely. And then I know we're going to we're getting into some of the governance features there in terms of how players can then interact. But I do want to ask you before we get into the more technicals. Um, well, I guess let's just talk about Juno. And 
you are moving over to the Juno blockchain, which has built up a lot of hype recently. We've seen people moving out of the Terra chains or whatever. You know, some of them have gone to the new Terra chain, but I, uh, projects have gone over the place. And you've decided to land on Juno, part of the greater Cosmos ecosystem. What was the factoring that went into your decision to go to Juno? Well, I guess why Juno? Um, and then I guess introduce it to the listeners, some people who might not be as familiar with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Juno is one of the the only few, um, you know, completely decentralized uh, networks on the Cosmos. Um, uh, that was a big part of, um, you know, why mm. we chose Juno. But I think uh, the, the biggest decision for us was really speaking the fact that, um, you know, we were two days away from, la from launch on Terra. Um, you know, our launch date was supposed to be May 15th and then Terra sort of went bust around the 9th to the 13th. So I think the first thing for us was really in terms of the, um, you know, the compatibility of our smart contracts itself. Uh, you know, the ability for us to move our contracts to a platform that was um, going to accommodate them very, very quickly without us having to make too many changes. Because really speaking, the first priority for us was to go to market, mm -hmm. uh, make sure that the product is on the market, make sure that people are able to use it, um, you know, see what it's like. Um, because we um, already done our Genesis event, we already finished doing our public sale. And really speaking, this was supposed to just move right into public sale and, and and gameplay um you know so so that 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 sort of um, process was was um, i would say derailed in the fact that you know terra lost its peg and um the fact that you know we relied on usd so much um it it, it didn't really matter that the network was back um, as much as it mattered that usd wasn't back mm -hmm. um so to be honest big factors around why we use juno one obviously the contracts being able to migrate um you know very very quickly onto a, a, um, a platform that would wouldn't necess necessitate us um, having to make too many changes. Um, but also the fact that, um, you know, uh, in terms of our need for a stable coin, it really, really meant that there was no place for us on Terra. Uh, we really did have to make that move and make that move very, very quickly. Um, and, and I think that we were one of the few platforms that moved really quickly in terms of, um, you know, deciding what network to move to and, and then starting to actually work on, um, you know, what the um, what the nitty gritties of moving to that network would be. Um, so I think in terms of the, the reasons, obviously, in terms of um, your transaction fees and volume, Juno is very, very similar to Terra. Um, and I think that's that's a big part of uh, why we made that move, because, um, you know, eventually the, the um, the, the, the fact that we're using, you know, DeFi um, rails to build out fantasy sports is going to is going to tell once we reach a certain volume level and um, it's going to necessitate us having to seek out other options. Um, you know, uh, application specific blockchain is, is one of the reasons why we chose to build on Terra in the first place. So mm -hmm. um, the, the fact is that we were anyway going to move to our own chain. But I think the fact that, um, you know, uh, the, the derailment from Terra happened so quickly and so, so suddenly um, it sort of put a plans onto a very, very different tra trajectory, which means that we're still looking at, um, you know, moving to our own chain eventually. But I think that the, in, in the intermediary, um, you know, Juno is going to be the best solution for us. It makes sense. And then for people who aren't listening to Juno, you made the point there where Juno is incredibly decentralized. I mean, it really, it, there is no, I mean, every chain tends to have some sort of governing body ahead of, I mean, you have the Ethereum Foundation or whatever, and they guide mm -hmm. the project. But really, Juno is just... Just go with the flow. Um, yeah. <laughs> and to be honest, uh, you know, a testament to Juno's decentralization. Um, you know, they had one large whale um, wallet um, that they, you know, passed a governance vote on and made sure that, you know, that whale wallet was, um, you know, either he sort of, uh, you know, made a contribution using his wallet. But uh, at the end of the day, they made sure that that whale sort of 
you know, got rid of his tokens. Um, it, it, it's it's that decentralized that you know they want to make sure that there aren't uh, you know these single wallet holders that sort right. of control the network. And I think that's really what makes it different from the fact that um, you know Terra had a lot of these huge early VCs in Wales that um, you know in a lot of times right up till date control a lot of the governance votes that go into the system. Mm. Yeah, that is interesting. It, it's a very different dynamic and culture i feel for a lot of application specific blockchains juno or juno yeah. isn't application specific but the point being is it's definitely a, a culture that i don't think you can find in many other places in web3 right now and then also Absolutely. just yeah and then speaking as to your launch date there i know it was two i remember now it's two days beforehand because i think i was on the the list yeah it, it yeah. was you guys were so close to launch and you were doing yeah. so well now the momentum going for you and then it's like so many projects on terra just bam yeah side railed that i think it's great though that you guys have found a new home in juno for the time being and that you are looking into building your own chain because i do think i think a fan theory ultimately it would make sense for you guys to be on your own blockchain just the type of application yeah, because, you're building for sure and i think that like really what we want to look at is like you know platforms like FanDuel and dream 11 um you know uh DraftKings. um the way we want to look at it is not as as um, your competition, because um, really speaking, right now, if you look at the fantasy sports platform, they're they're building on DeFi, you know, uh, mm -hmm. block rails as well. Um, you know, so the idea here is to you know offer them a solution to uh, you know the problems that they're facing moving to blockchain as well. So think of them as clients rather than competition, um, which means that the platform that we're building out is going to offer them the ability to very very quickly onboard themselves into um, you know a sports and a and a fantasy sports ecosystem without having to build out a lot of the um, you know the the uh, infrastructure that's going to go into um, you know building on other platforms let's say or building on defi platforms where mm -hmm. um, really speaking you're going to have to work with smart contracts and stuff like that whereas in our system really speaking the modules itself um, you know having a fantasy sports or a sports or a gambling module um, you know on the cosmos sdk that's going to be huge because then you just add that module and then you've got full flexibility to customize that the way that you want to 100 it's it's gonna it, it, it's a great great way to get these web two companies on board to web three if you build and the I rails think, for them yeah absolutely looking at them as clients uh, it, it gives a whole different sort of perspective to things mm -hmm. in that uh we're not directly competing with them you know um in fact the, the more that they grow the better it is for us if you look at it the fact that they're going to be using our rails mm -hmm, absolutely i want to get into some of the technicals now of of fan fairy and moving towards how this gameplay works what is it how is daily fantasy because it's not just you have your team in the daily fantasy competition. You can actually own teams. You can stake with teams. And so, could you just give an overview of the gameplay itself of Fan Fury? Yeah, absolutely. So, I think um, in terms of the way that we, you know, looked at designing the platform, um, we've looked at the DeFi side of things. Um, you know, which is the staking, the bonding. Um, we 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 use protocol owned liquidity, so we've got a bonding mechanism as well in place that where um, you know you're contributing liquidity, um, and you're able to um, you know get Fury tokens at a discount. Um, and the idea behind this is by by ensuring that we um, you know have our own liquidity, we we make sure that um, the platform's more robust. But um, you know, from the greater gameplay side of things, um, the way that we've looked at it. Is to sort of look at gameplay and the DeFi side of things as two separate parts of this. Mm -hmm. So um, when you when you are um, you know taking part in the gameplay side of things, you know it's very similar to your fantasy sports platforms in that um, you know you go about selecting your teams, you go about um, you know the, the way that you would normally go about doing your daily fantasy. So you've got Everton Arsenal, um, you know you've got to select let's say six players from one and a max of seven players from the other team. You've got your own team. You're competing against let's say a thousand other teams, or you're playing one on one with let's say another person. Mm -hmm. um, that side of things is really speaking very very similar to, to the way that you play regular fantasy sports. And I think what um, you know separates the fact 
fact that in the US, um, you know, the, the, the kind of format that you're used to in the US is more sort of league format. It's more dynasty where, um, you know, you've got a commissioner, he's got his, um, you know, draft that he's doing at the start of the year. And, and it's sort of um, very, very league based, very, very long term, you know, season outlook types um, versus, um, you know, the model that we're using, which is a lot more simpler. It's a lot more, um, um, you know, ad hoc, so to say. So, yeah. um, you know, one of the things that we noticed was a lot of fantasy sports players drop off around the the the, the middle of the season um, mm-hmm. simply because they're so far down on those um, you know those those lists that it, it makes it seem like there's either no way back or if you miss a few weeks you find like you know you're so far behind the pack that just getting back to um, you know to square one is going to take you like forever um, and a lot of people just drop out at that point because they feel like there's no real you know purpose to do um, you know playing anymore and then one of the things with uh, daily fantasy is that. It doesn't matter. You can just get in, um, you know, on a daily basis, play that game, and and it really isn't going to make a difference to your your, your long term outlook. Um, you know, so it's more recreational, um, you know, rather than uh, you know this long term sort of I've got to get my team ready every week types where you know you're so focused on um, the fact that if you don't get your team out that week, you're going to fall behind. Um, you know, that really speaking was a huge thing for us because we felt like, um, you know, fantasy players, I mean, they're laid back, man. You know, uh, I know for a fact that they are because I am. And then the, the idea is that you want to be able to give people like that the opportunity to take part whenever they want to rather than forcing, um, you know, a certain format onto them. So mm-hmm. the point is that we will eventually move to, you know, Dynasty. We will offer that option. But I think to start with, um, we want to focus on the daily fantasy sports um, you know, side of things where you're getting your payouts. Uh, you know, on the fly. Um, as soon as the game is done, you get to see, um, you know, how much you've made, whether you're, you know, whether you've, you know, competed well against your friends. Um, and, and it really is one of those things that you can just do on a rolling basis. Um, you know, mm-hmm. so that's the, the, the fantasy side of things. It's going to be very similar to the experience you're used to on traditional fantasy sports platforms. But um, the big thing about how we're sort of integrating the DeFi side of things is what's really, um, um, you know, important here. Um, one of the things we were very, very clear about very early was that we did not want to overwhelm our fantasy sports audience. Um, you know, the idea here is that you've got an 800 million strong fantasy sports crowd around the world. You've got an 80 million strong or maybe even less than that blockchain crowd um, across all blockchains. So the idea here is that I don't need my blockchain crowd moving to fantasy sports. I would rather my fantasy sports crowd move to the blockchain. Um, and and, and in, in doing so, um, you know, one of the things that we've done is to sort of hide away the DeFi side of things. And, um, you know, the way that we've done it is through these things called fan clubs. Um, simple terms, think of these fan clubs as decentralized staking pools. Um, you know, so instead of having this one large staking pool where everyone comes and sort of stakes, um, the idea was to decentralize that into 250 teams. And um, these teams are spread across five different sports. So you've got the best teams across these five sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and and um, look, you, you, the way you've got to look at these taking pools is essentially each one of them is a team fan club. So you're going to have Everton fan club on, um, which means that, um, you know, as a, a player in the fantasy sports space, you get to go and claim Everton fan club. Um, you know, as your own, as an owner and, and um, you know, bring in your supporters, um, other evidence supporters to come in and not just take part in the fantasy sports side of things, but as, um, you know, a member or an owner of these fan clubs, actually take part in the profit that's being distributed, um, you know, to our, um, uh, you know, to our consumers. Um, so the idea is that you can take part in two sides of things. You've got the fantasy sides of things, which is just very similar to what we're used to. And then the idea is that the rake fee that you're paying as a fantasy sports player, mm-hmm. that rake fee is distributed to the guys holding these fan clubs. So mm. by 
part in the gameplay as well as the fantasy sports side of things. Think of yourself as being the owner of the fan uh, of the fantasy sports platform and also playing on the fantasy sports platform. So for you, um, you know, playing on the fantasy sports platform, you're not really losing because of the fact that every eight hours you've got profits coming into the fan club side of things. You know, and and um, we're also giving people the idea, the option to auto compound those, which means that every eight hours you're going to have, uh, you know rewards come in that are going to auto compound every eight hours as well so um you know when you're looking at it from a um, from a consumer standpoint um earlier if you're playing on let's say drafting the fan duel um the idea is that fan duels board of directors is taking a lot of that cut um, right. in this case you've got the chance to take part of that cut um, you know um, all our profits are essentially distributed amongst our uh, fan clubs and its members and our owners tend to um, obviously make a lot more than the members. So the owners take 1% of their fan club's allocation. So if your fan club has got $100,000, you essentially take $1,000 straight off the bat. And then the other 99000 is divided out among all members of the fan club. So if you're part of the members as well, you get an allocation as part of the members' allocation as well. So, um, you know, being an owner in these um, fan clubs is going to be a tremendous opportunity for people like you, Rick, you know, guys that run, um, you know, content platforms. Because the fact that um, if you have a subscription service in place where people are coming and paying you every month, um, you can get rid of that completely. You know, you have a one-time mm. payment that you can make. And then what happens is not only are you taking home this, um, you know, this, this payout every month, but your members are taking home this payout every month as well. So it's sort of this, um, you know, dual reward mechanism that you that, that content creators can put in place um, or anyone for that matter that has a large, um, you know, following, especially people who are involved in sports and fantasy sports. So the gist of it is essentially you are decentralizing sports culture. And I think that's one of the big, powerful things of fan theory. I mean, I just also I want to start with some of the, the stuff we mentioned with just the dynasty versus daily. Um, yeah, it is funny that you mentioned the whole league format and, and U.S., for example, in fantasy football leagues. We had to start thinking of interesting ways to get people to stay engaged and not just yep. tank their teams six weeks in yep. because... Yep. Um, people will fall off and I think we started doing punishments where if you're in the bottom of the table we have to, we, we, we yep. make you do something funny but I yep. mean that, that's like that's what we had to resort to essentially and and it's just you know daily daily fantasy is something I, I have dabbled a little bit in um, but I do look forward I think on with having more of a, a, a crypto rail such as Fanfare I think it's something I can easily integrate with more so and in, in, then I, I currently am with uh, just more traditional fancy platforms because for me fancy sports in the traditional way is still yeah. is still the league way especially with my friends but it'll be I, I do look forward to testing out fan theory and getting used to a daily fantasy format in that sense but going back to the sports culture aspect I mean people will have these clubs they can root for them they can make content for them you stake with them and you're basically creating uh, digital organizations decentralized digital organizations um all all on their own and they're just going to build the culture and so if i'm part of this everton fan club and i want the everton fan club to succeed and i want more people to yep. come into my everton fan club i can promote yep. the everton fan club because that's uh, going to get you more rewards at the end of the day because uh, right. the idea is that the more the more people you've got in your fan club the, the bigger um you know chunk you're going to get out of that out of that profit that the you know that the platform is generating and hmm. um the idea is that every one of these fan clubs is a DAO in itself um you know it's going to have its own treasury it's going to have its own um you know vote mechanisms um you know so when Fan Fury holds votes, um, you know the, the DAOs individually will have their own votes first before they actually take, um, you know, a, a vote, um, you know, for the DAO. Let's say, um, you know, um, to to let's say the overall voting system. So you've got 
um, you know, every DAO taking its own vote and then each DAO voting on behalf of its members for the larger, greater vote. Um, and this is going to be tremendous because, um, you know, think of it as um, if you've got a treasury, if you own Everton, let's say, and, uh, you know, you've got a treasury of, of, of let's say, funds that, that are coming in, um, you know, to the treasury. Um, one of the things that you can do is, let's say, um, you know, as an Everton supporters guild, um, you know, you guys can buy, let's say, evidence shares, like real evidence shares, mm. um, and, and essentially digitize that and uh, hold that in your treasury. Um, you know, so what this does is you've got fractional ownership um, of, of actual evidence shares that are going to sit in your evidence DAO treasury um, and act as, um, you know, two things. One, as a hedge against evidence. Um, you know, football club, but two and more importantly, it's going to be uh, a huge asset for, um, you know, for your DAO, for your, for your DAO's treasury. I look forward to approaching Farad Mashiri. <laughs> <laughs> hey, can I have a, can I have some? Pictures. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Other, I mean, it's going to be, I mean, it's going to happen eventually where some, a DAO is going to, right. A DAO is going to eventually buy into something like such a sports team. I mean, we it saw is. it with Tara with the whole sponsorship with the yeah. Nationals. I mean, and we're going to see more and more of this coming up. I, I, that is a great point. That I, I look forward. And then I think uh, Man U is a public company. So yeah. I guess in theory, people, if people want to organize that and figure out the le legal issues around it sure. and whatever. Yeah. The right now, uh, sorry to cut you off, but right now you have supporters groups um, already. Like you've got right. every, every club has supporters groups and they are large, man. They, these guys are huge. Um, so as a supporters group, if I want to come in and like, um, you know, use these DAOs um, as a method for me to go about, let's say fundraising or let's say, um, you know, um, actually going ahead and, and buying shares, it's a tremendous opportunity because what it does is like the DAO itself um, decentralizes ownership, um, you know, so by being part of that DAO, you've automatically got ownership in the, you know, the, the funds that the DAO's treasury is holding. So if let's say you were to buy these shares and digitize them, um, you know, through NFTs or fractional NFTs, it's absolutely a very huge possibility that you're going to have one of these um, these DAOs taken over by, a, you know, a supporters group and then use the supporters group to essentially organize large enough campaigns where you can buy enough shares to be able to have your own say. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I bet you we're going to see in the next four or five years, uh, maybe a lower division team in England or something. I don't expect it to. By a DAO. Yeah, I don't expect it to take that long. I really don't expect it to take that long. I mean, um, one of the things that we're very, very... Maybe a couple um, of years, max. You know, yeah, because one of the things we're looking forward to is the fact that these DAOs are going to be generating a lot of money. Because um, if you think about it, like, mm -hmm. um, you know, almost 1% of your overall profits are coming, you know, to the DAO. Um, this is 40%, uh, sorry, of the overall profits are being distributed to these DAOs. It's a huge, huge amount when you look at, um, you know, the amount of money these fantasy sports platforms take in. I mean, we're talking millions and millions of dollars. So yeah. putting all that you know, profit back into the hands of these DAOs. It's going to be a tremendous opportunity for them to use these funds in 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 in, um, in unique ways. I'm going to say. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really looking forward. To it. So, just walk me through the governance a little bit, though, because you mentioned it here. So, you're going to have obviously the main Fan Fury platform votes, and so will each team, each individual DAO, each fan club DAO, whatever you want to call it, uh, decentralized fan club organization. I don't know what you call it, the DFC or something. You can come up with a creative name for those. But yeah. anyways, um, so will they all have their own votes in this? So the DAO would then vote and then yeah. that would then affect the greater overarching theme? Absolutely. Um, the, the way that we're looking at it is the, is um, we want to be able to ensure that the DAOs are tied to the fan clubs. Um, mm -hmm. So if you're staking your tokens in the fan club, um, we want to make sure that, um, you know, if you're if you're joining, let's say, Everin DAO, 
um, the idea is that you should not be able you should not be able to unstake from Everton fan club and still be part of Everton DAO, right? I mean, right. Um, the idea is that if you're going to take part in the voting system in Everton DAO, you should have a stake in that in order for you to take part in that voting. Um, so it was very clear that we needed to make sure that these two things are very closely tied together. And the, one of the ways that we're doing it is um, when you're actually staking Fury with um, you know any one of these fan clubs, um, you're going to have two options to stake. Um, one is sort of this um, very very plain Jane staking model where um, you know you stake it and then you've got profits that are or rewards coming out every eight hours that you can go ahead and claim. Um, there is a period during which you'll be able to claim, um, obviously, but. The idea is for the most part, um, every week or every three days, you should be able to make at least one or two claims, um, you know, on, on the rewards that are being, um, let's say, generated and, and accumulated. Mm -hmm. um, the other model is essentially an auto compounding model where um, you essentially say, I want to auto compound my rewards. Um, and, and, and in that case, essentially, you're not given the option to claim your rewards. The rewards that are being distributed every eight hours are auto compounded into your position. Um, so essentially, what's happening is that every time you get rewards, they're being added to your principal and then your, your next set of rewards is going to be slightly higher than than the previous um and this is done over a let's say period of time so you lock it in for let's say two months three months three weeks whatever the the time period is um but when you essentially do this um you're given um uh, you know these receipt tokens so to say so you've got either a um, fury which is auto compounded fury or you've got m fury which is just regular um you know staked fury um and and the idea is that what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to stake these um tokens in the dao so i would essentially stake an everton fan club I would get either AOM Fury, and then I would take that AOM Fury and I would stake it in Everton DAO. Mm -hmm. um, so what this does is um, when I stake it in Everton DAO, um, I can essentially do two things. I can lock it up for a very long period of time and I can get um, you know, a lot of votes, um, essentially, you know, X up my voting power um, by locking it for, for longer periods. Or I can just say, um, you know, I want to create, let's say, a CDP position. Um, so I've locked in, let's say, $1,000 worth of, um, you a fury um i can open a cdp position on that and let's say take out uh, up to let's say 60 percent of what that's worth um so there are there are going to be two options for people to essentially leverage uh, their positions in DAOs: one to affect voting on a large scale and two to essentially affect cdp positions um so what this does is if i need to remove my um you know tokens from evident fan club i can't do it without removing my tokens from Everton DAO. i first have to unstake from Everton DAO, mm. and then once i do that i'm able to unstake those tokens from Everton fan club. So this makes sure that that relationship is really tight. Um, it also ensures that when voting happens, voting is controlled more at the club level. So if there's, let's say, a governance vote that needs to go through and, and you know, someone's proposing it at fan fury level, um, the first step that will happen is this, these, these DAOs will be given the opportunity to have internal votes um, on that larger vote and then essentially vote as a DAO. Or they can take the other option to say that we're not we're not you know taking part we're going to abstain. But the idea is that um, you know uh, rather than having uh, you know million people come in and vote on that proposal, you have essentially a million people vote within the DAO, and then the DAO essentially takes that vote, and that vote becomes the vote of um, the the vote of submission to um, you know the main proposal. And that's really speaking how we're looking at driving a lot of the governance features around the platform. Um, you know to to make sure that it's sort of this tiered um, governance model where the DAO stays the first decision at a very very base level and then um depending on what the decision is or what the outcome of that uh, voting is um that vote is automatically submitted to the main pool for voting um that's really speaking what we're looking at in terms of governance but i think you will see sort of this um ve model come in uh, you know for people who are able to let's say lock their fury up over a very long period of time wow yeah there's plenty of layers there and plenty of control yeah and uh, you go and you, you have multiple i mean you have the fan club you have you have the dow 
And then it's just going to be a lot of interaction between how those fan clubs then contribute to certain DAOs and how there's an interaction between, you know, you have the American, say we have the American Toffees, some sort of American support group yep. fan club, all staking the Everton down. Then you have the yep. British and then you have the, you know, yep. the Everton fans of South America or something. I mean, you, you, yeah. I really look forward to seeing the creativity in different groups or you have the Everton fans that are, I don't know, the, the Everton fans. Be competing. That, you can do anything. Be competing. Yeah. If you think that you're going to be competing against other clubs, I feel that you're going to be competing within other fan groups that are going to want to take over Everton more than you're going to be competing against other clubs. I'm going to be honest because that's just the nature of the game, right? I mean, everyone's looking to sort of be the biggest, um, right. you know, and, and competition's more internal than external a lot of times because that's where you can really show that, um, you know, uh, that because a lot of times like the lower clubs can't compete with the big guys, but they can compete within their own, mm-hmm. um, you know, sort of space. And I think you're going to see that a lot more. It's gonna be funny to see. I, I'm really, I'm really curious to see how people fractionalize that and break it up as well. I mean, I can totally expect the OG Manchester United fans or something, and like no bandwagoners yeah. allowed, <laughs> or yeah, the Everton absolutely. Everton fans who were alive when we last won FA Cup or something. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah it's pretty funny. You're going to find a lot of banter here as well because once you have the chat features and stuff like that up, there's going to be huge banter simply because like every every day the uh, you know the, the the team that finishes on top takes that twenty percent, mm-hmm. um, and there's going to be banter around that as well. Like you know, are you going to take it today? If you're not going to take it today, we've taken it like seven days in a row. Like where are you guys? You know, it's going to it's going to happen. That's good. So competition's always good and fun to see. I'm curious, what kind of proposals will players have access to? So if there is a governance vote on the total fan fury platform what's an example of something they might be voting on what did, what can the players control in that sense yes i think a lot of the control is going to go into um the reward systems itself mm. right because um right now i think the rake fee is a huge huge um um talking point and and the distribution mechanism that the rake fee follows i think that's really going to going to see a lot of changes um you know right now having that top team take 20 percent of the entire pie that's not that's going to piss off a lot of the other teams and i think right. that eventually we're going to find um, a situation where they're going to get together and be like you know what enough's enough's um you know we've had enough of that top team taking home you know 20 percent of everything and let's let's see how we can change that and you're going to find that um, you know, in, in cases where, um, uh, you know, clubs don't have as much say in the matter, you're going to find the fact that they're going to lock in their tokens over a longer period simply to get the, that extra vote mm-hmm. um, just to be able to affect, you know, a lot of these um, long term voting proposals. And and these can happen, you know, at any time. I think that for the main um, for, for the main. Um, you know, course of action, it would be um, a lot of DAOs fighting over that that pie. Um, and, and I think the other thing that they could probably look at is fees, because um, right now, transaction fees, uh, platform fees, I mean, they're not being distributed in any way. I mean, this is a huge revenue source for most platforms, and we're just not using it at all. I mean, it's just sitting there, um, you know, funding the the a uh, couple of the um, cashback mechanisms and stuff like that. So when you think of the fact that most um, decentralized platforms use that as their main revenue source for stakers, and we're just, you know, essentially got it, you know, just piecing out um, and not not having spent it on anything. It's a huge, um, you know, chunk of money that's just going to be lying there available for people mm. to take votes. On. So um, I think that those are things that are going to be primarily on the list of, you know, what what you can and cannot do. The other thing I would see, um, you know, as being very possible is 
clubs that are not on the list of 250 right now, uh, wanting to add them into the mix as well. Because, um, you know, obviously you're going to look around, you're going to be like, well, why isn't my team there? Um, and, and it's going to give people the opportunity to come in and, you know, have uh, you know new teams added to that uh, to that list. Or it could even be um, you're having a sort of relegation system where you've got this list of teams looking to get in. And then every year, depending on, let's say, that the, you know, the bottom 25 feeders are out and, uh, you know, you've got, 25 of the guys waiting in line coming in you know who's to say because that really puts the onus on everyone then because otherwise if you've got the bottom feeders just sitting there year on your because i know it happens in the us you know they don't have a relegation right. system so you have no. all the teams just doing anything um i mean you don't want to have that propagate here as well so if you've got people who are looking to come in and who have got good you know um, uh, fan clubs and good um, you know membership um uh, teams it, yeah why not yeah no we don't we don't have a relegation system here in the u.s and your year you'll see the same teams and you know who they always are you know, until I, they i've get... heard that a lot of times um it sort of manifests in in the fact that a lot of these owners don't put in a lot of effort because of the fact that they know they're not going to get relegated they know they've got this right. revenue coming in year year. So, exactly yeah. well a lot of american sports they're they're a union so to the point where they they share all the profits and revenue that the league generates so everyone gets a piece of the pie regardless yep. so there is yep. there is no incentive really to you're, exactly. not, you're right. You're not going to get relegated from the MLB to the AAA or something, uh, which does not end up well for if, if you have a poor ownership, unfortunately. But yeah. yeah, I do look I do look forward to seeing how that might play out as well as see you have the you have the first division, second division of uh, fan fury clubs. And yeah. you never yeah. know, maybe some some really low, low fan club from some third, like the third or fourth, fifth division in England or Italy or huge fan following i don't know if you know but they've got massive and they're, they're nowhere close to the top division you know so sorry who'd yeah, you say wimbledon for example has a oh, huge yeah. fan following and they're, they're, they're nowhere near the, the top i mean so i could very very easily see like you know their fans sort of storming the stage and being like right. we're gonna take over wimbledon afc number one yeah <laughs> be pretty funny it'd be pretty cool um, I want to move a little bit more on to the technicals and just talk about the token for a bit. Because I remember in the last call yeah. we had, we were speaking about how you want Fury token to be partially backed by gold, if I recall correctly. Is that still yeah. in the plans? Or what do you think with the tokenomics? How, do you, how are you still envisioning some of that? Yeah, that's that's still the plan. I think mm -hmm. uh, there's no changes to that. Um, the the couple of things that you know we were very focused on, one was having protocol own liquidity, and then um, the other was ensuring that the treasure is um, in some way backing the token itself. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a long term outlook, obviously, yeah. but um, it's definitely on the cards. Um, I think what we want to do right now is to focus on gameplay and getting you know, gameplay and, and cash flow onto the platform, really. Um, and then once that's done, um, you know, setting up the treasury in a way where um, uh, the, the, the treasury has its own rules around, um, you know, when funds come in, what, what's done with those funds, um, you know, how those funds are used, what part of those funds are allocated to certain um, resources for example um that's absolutely still the plan mm -hmm. um, um a lot of the reasons behind that is the fact that there is um sort of this perpetual reward mechanism going where um there are lp incentives from the rake fee essentially sitting in the treasury um as well as there is a lot of the profit that's coming in from the platform itself that's sitting in the treasury as well so um the treasury is going to have you know this daily um increase in value um, it, it is going to happen from multiple different places including like i said transaction fees and, and places like that which gives us the opportunity to build out 
the treasury, but not hold, um, you know, single assets. Mm-hmm. Um, and gold is absolutely an asset that we'd like to hold. Um, one of the reasons being that it's very, very easy to use gold to back a lot of um, the the decentralized, um, you know, tokens that we're going to have on our system. And 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 I think that the big thing for us is the the fact that Fury is going to be an ecosystem token. Um, it's really going to sit at the center and be the heart of what Fan Fury is all about. Um, the fantasy sports platform is obviously one part of things, but eventually once we move into um, you know the Dex platform for our athletes, where um, we have social tokens for our athletes, um, that's going to be huge because you're going to see that Fury is really going to be the um, you know very much like XRP is and Ripple the the, the 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 you know token of exchange within the system, the token that's going to make liquidity real real easy um, to access and um, you know, give you that deep liquidity when it comes to exchanging um, you know these social tokens for athletes. Um, but you're also going to see um, you know the fact that these athletes are going to have a lot of their um, you know um, merchandise integrated with us um, a lot of shopping experiences integrated with us we're going to have shopify integration going which means they'll have their own um, you know um, digital stores um, you can pay um, for their merchandise with their own currencies um, and fan Fu- and fury the fury token is going to sit at the heart of this uh, you know entire system and being a deflationary token um, we we know that um, you know, it's it's going to be tremendous for the token itself um, in terms of value, um, and that's one of the reasons why we felt like um, you know backing it with gold would um, would put it at 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 a much much ele- much more elevated level mm-hmm. when it comes to um, you know other tokens in the market. Yeah, it's an interesting mechanism that you've built there, and looking forward, I, I can see how your long term sustainability ensuring that you do have some sort of backing and making sure that as you build out this ecosystem, you want to grow that you do have, yeah. you do have a safety, essentially what is a, a safety it, guardrail. It's exactly that. Yeah. It's exactly that. Cause I think there's two things that separate us from the, you know, most other blockchain platforms. One is the fact that a lot of our volume doesn't depend on the crypt, on a crypto audience. Um, it really depends on a sports audience that aren't mm. really as concerned about where, where Bitcoin is, whether it's high or low. Um, that's, that's one huge thing for us because it ensures that, you know, you've got daily volume that generally speaking is not dependent on a, on a, on a crypto market. Um, I think the second thing that we have going for us is the fact that we're looking at this very, very holistically. Um, in that, um, you know, we want to make sure that people have an easy way to not just get onto the platform and use the platform, but also be able to, um, you know, very, very quickly move their funds in and out of the platform, which means payment rail integration, um, you know, being directly able to buy Fury with your bank account, but also being able to spend Fury, um, you know, very, very quickly in mm-hmm. a real world scenario. I look forward to seeing how all that is implemented and launches. And I know you mentioned the celebrity partnerships right there. So I do want to briefly mention that before we get into some of our wrapping up questions. So you might just speaking about the celebrity partnerships because you have a few names and I don't know, just just go ahead and share away. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we've got um, we initially signed Andre Reid um, and um, Jorge Masvidal. They were two of our first uh, partnerships that we announced. Um, Jorge Masvidal needs no introduction. He's huge, um, you know, in the MMA, and he's going to mm-hmm. be a big part of when we do make our entry into the MMA. Um, Andre Reid is a seven-time, um, you know, world champion um you know he's uh, nfl hall of famer with the buffalo bills um he's a huge household name in the us um you know he's got his own shows um he's he's very very active in um you know the sports space and in, in the broadcast space um and and um, he's a name that people recognize um, you know, he's very very easily recognizable mm-hmm. um so that's a huge partnership for us and i think that um, one of the things you're going to see is him running his own podcast on the nfl once the season starts so um you know that's going to be huge for us because um you know like i said he's he's very very good with with broadcast he's a person that's very easily recognizable so having him uh, and his opinions on the nfl um you know is going to be tremendous for us um our most recent partnership was with blaze matweedy um the france 
uh, World Cup star. Mm -hmm. um, we were very, very happy to bring Blaze on. Um, he's very happy to be with us, I'm sure. Um, this was an announcement that we did very recently, in fact, uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And and, and he represents sort of our, um, you know, our, our brand association with, with soccer and with worldwide soccer. Um, you know, being um, sort of a worldwide star, being a World Cup winner, he's a very, very easily recognizable name. He's a household name, so to say. Um, he's flying his trade right now in the US. He's with mm -hmm. um, Inter Miami. But um, yeah, we're very, very excited about all three of these partnerships. Um, you know, these are huge, huge opportunities for us to make our entry into the world of sports um, and also be able to introduce our, um, you know, our, our centralized exchange um, platform where, um, you know, we're talking about, like I said, these athlete social tokens and um, your integrations with um, the merchandise and, and NFT based merchandise and stuff like that. So these guys are going to represent our, um, you know, our, our initial partnerships when it comes to a lot of that stuff as well. Um, so really speaking, it's not just brand associationships that we're looking at right now. It is our introduction, but further down the road, we are absolutely looking at bringing a lot more names, um, you know, into the picture. Um, Blaze Matweedy, especially, um, you know, he's a, he's he's huge in the space. Um, you know, he's he's got a lot of partnerships offline that um, you know we're looking to um, you know to to sort of get a hold of. Um, and I think Andre Reid in the U.S. I think um, you know the U.S. is a huge market. It's an untapped market. Socios hasn't made their way there yet. Uh, we're trying to beat them to that. Mm -hmm. just between you um but i think that um yeah the nfl represents a huge opportunity for us and andre reed represents a huge opportunity for us to get into that market um you are going to see a lot of partnerships within um the premier league and 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 uh, the spanish league um you know come the next year i think i'm um, you know um, it wouldn't be this season i think it's probably going to be the season after but um yeah we're absolutely flexing um you know in the sports space um it's something that we're going to be very very focused on in um in the next year after we launch our fantasy sports platform it's going to be a huge part of um you know what we are and what our ecosystem is going to represent that's amazing and i i'm i have had a chance to watch blazeman tweety play in real life in the mls before um and i know the other names you mentioned the, the mma and nfl as well i mean huge markets and, and, and a huge potential to reach out to those crew um, and, and fan fan groups. So all yeah. I can say is that it's definitely exciting partnership for you guys. And I look forward to seeing how those I, cultures mesh with the Fan Fury ethos. Absolutely. I think one other partnership that we'd like to sort of drop is um, the fact that we're also going to have a soccer podcast going. Um, so we've got Hayley McQueen, who's um, very, very well known in Scotland. She's, um, you know, on Sky Sports Scotland a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. You probably recognize her from there. Uh, she's going to be hosting uh, the soccer podcast for us along with Ray Parlour. Um, and um, we've got um, essentially the two of them who are going to be running things from a soccer standpoint um, week on week. So that's going to be really, really exciting for us. Uh, we're actually just working out the, you know, the, the nitty-gritties of um, you know, how that podcast is going to run. But yeah, to be honest, for me, it's a huge, um, you know, it's huge. I mean, uh, having someone like Ray Pala on, um, you know, running things for the next year. Yeah, um, a lot of very, very surreal moments, let's put it that way. That's so cool. And I'll, I'll have a soccer podcast to listen to now that is that supports the Web3 world. <laughs> so, yeah, I think the focus is going to be very much uh, sports, um, but it is going to touch up a lot on fantasy side of things as well. Mm -hmm. um, so if you watched, um, you know, the uh, the Premier League uh, podcast that used to have, I don't know if it still happens, but I think, it, it, you know, that's really close to what we want to do. Um, I think also if you're looking at, um, you know, the, uh, Haley and Ian, um, uh, you know, they've got their own show now. And, mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's sort of the format that we're looking at, you know, very opinionated uh, for the most part um, with um, a lot of, um, I'd say, statistics towards the end of the show. Uh, so you're going to have maybe 20 minutes focus on a lot of opinion and then the last 10 minutes focus on stats and building out your sort of um, 
fantasy team for the week. Cool. I look forward to listening to it. I need a I need a, I need a sports podcast in my morning routine. Yeah. It's always always crypto or economics. I'm like, you know, I should probably yeah. Yeah. probably make it a little <laughs> less a little less dry when people ask me, "What do you listen yeah. to?" I'm like, uh, <laughs> crypto and economics. <laughs> people it's, are like, what? It's gonna be a cool cross section, I think. Yeah, there. Um, I, I, that's gonna be amazing. I, I'm really looking forward is. to that. Adrian, I want to uh, bring us into our final questions here. And one of the things we do at the end of every interview is that we just ask a fun fact, something so people can get to know you a little bit outside of the crypto world. This week, I actually have a difficult question for you, I'd say. Um, it is a superpower that you wish you had versus a superpower you'd hate to have. Please enlighten me on what you'd like to have for a superpower versus never have. Uh, I think a superpower I'd never like to have is... Uh probably related to one of the biggest influencers on Terra, Midas. Um, I'm sure you heard the golden touch of Midas. That's ah, not a very cool uh, no. <laughs> to have. That's a terrible um, one to have. Yeah, absolutely. But I think um, if I was looking at a superpower that I could have, um, I don't know, um, invisibility is pretty cool. Invisibility um, is cool. Yeah. Nice, yeah. nice. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I go with invisibility. I might, I might have to personally say I'd fly, but you know, I, I, I go with invisibility. That, that'd, that'd be a cool because you can. I, I thought about flying as well. Um, my, my logic was I can get into a plane. There's no way I got an invisibility cloak going anywhere. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know. So Spider Man. I mean, like the whole Spider Man, like being able to like yeah. fling webs and stuff. That'd be pretty yeah. cool. I, I mean, you can it just is. go around a city for a long time. Uh, I'm going to say that growing yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be, a, it'd be a cool one. Adrian, I want to thank you so much for your time today. I think a lot of great information and, and a very interesting conversation around how sports culture can easily integrate into Web3 once it has the proper rails and, and onboarding process. And it sounds like you guys are trying to be the, the sole provider of really getting people on board for Web3, crypto, fantasy sports, daily fantasy sports, uh, and building up I that culture so. around that. Uh, any final information you like present and then where should listeners go to follow you, learn more about Fan Fury, get involved with the community and upcoming dates for launches, all that good stuff. Yeah, um, we're actually testing TestNet right now. So, um, you know, Perfect. come on down um, to, to, to help us test. Um, our links are all available on our social channels. So um, I, I think Twitter is probably the first place of contact. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to give you access to our Telegram channel, which is um, the next place where you're going to get a lot of alpha before it even reaches Twitter. Because um, I'm sort of um, gun shy. Uh, well, actually, I'm not gun shy when it comes to sharing information on our Telegram channel. So that's probably where a lot of alpha gets dropped randomly. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, getting yourself to that telegram channel is probably the best thing that's uh, that, that you could do um but we're actually testing testnet right now we've got registrations open um for uh, 1500 participants that are going to be able to uh, win testnet rewards um so we, we are taking um registrations uh, over the next few days so don't worry about um you know how many registrations have passed mm -hmm. the idea is that out of those registrations uh, we're going to pick 1500 winners um so it's not 1500 registrations it's 1500 winners picked out of all the registrations that come in um so um, that's one part of things. Um, I think the next thing that you're going to have um, to focus on is um, we've got a bonus reward system that's going to be um, that's already started, actually, um, where um, we've got some cool giveaways uh, from our brand ambassadors, some signed merchandise that is, um, you know, up for grabs. Um, so if you're looking to get some nice signed merchandise going, um, come in. Um, the 
the biggest thing you got to do is that um, you've got to hold a little bit of Fury. A hundred mm -hmm. Fury should do you good in your Kepler wallet. It's a, uh, Fury is available in trading right now on MEXE, um, so you'd have to buy it on MEXE and then move it to your Kepler wallet. But um, just hold a hundred Fury, um, and we're opening it up to um, you know fifteen Cosmos chains. Um, so if you're staking on any of these fifteen Cosmos chains, we're looking at the smaller chains too. Um, you know you're going to qualify for um, the bonus airdrop and for the exclusive giveaways. So um, if you're staking on any one of those platforms, you have very very good reason to just hold a little bit of fury and then you're going to qualify for our um for our exclusive um you know nft giveaways um signed merchandise and all that cool stuff um we've got mainnet that's going to release very quickly as well i'd say um within the next few weeks it all depends on um you know how testing is going right now um we want to make sure that we've got our payment integrations going um you know where you're going to be able to come and buy fury directly on our platform without having to go through usdc and all those um you know complications um we're also very focused on our onboarding so um i think like come help us test um you know there's a huge huge amount of rewards to be won not just in testing but i like i said bonus um we've got some cool um, contests that are coming up over the next few days so um twitter telegram um those are your best bets um I'm, I'm always available there. Come come chat me up. Um, ask me anything out there. It's sort of a constant AMA session with Adrian in that uh, <laughs> Telegram channel. So, so I don't think I need to run AMA sessions. Just get to the Telegram channel. <laughs> there you go. I will have all the links, depending on whether you're listening or watching to this, watching this interview in the show notes yeah. down below. Adrian, thank you again for your time today. Wonderful to sit down and chat about Fan Fury. A lot to be excited for. So much for people to go out there and explore and learn. So definitely get involved with the project if you are listening. As always, it was uh, brilliant talking to you, Rick, and um, have me on anytime. I love coming on. Uh, thank you so much again for uh, indulging me over the last, an hour, last hour or so.